Spoiler warning for the movie Nightcrawler. We'll be discussing all of its contents today, so if you haven't seen it, you should go see it now and immediately return to this podcast, or else we will find you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to On Top of the World, your favorite podcast about characters, characters, and with a little bit of luck, more characters. I'm your host, Samuel Rico, joined by our two co-hosts. Robbie Waters. And Sakai Marquez. And we're joined by two guest hosts today. Logan Janender. And Marcus Joseph. Today we'll be talking, of course, about the movie Nightcrawler. What did everybody feel about it? It was great really movie. good. It's good. Great, great, great acting. Great acting. Killed that. Actually, yeah. Yeah. That's I always love Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. 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 Jake Gyllenhaal like might be the like greatest like as of now like at least for the past like ten or twenty years like when it comes to, like thriller movies like Nocturnal. Um, enemy Zodiac. for Zodiac, yeah. and, like so amazing good like, ones. Yeah. You can go bar for banger, bar. bar. He always banger. does just like amazing movies, but especially the characters in those movies. He yeah. always just fucking kills. Yeah, he mm. does. Good, good stuff. Um, so let's do a quick story summary. Um, Los Angeles denizen Louis Bloom survives by scavenging and petty theft. He stumbles into a new career as a cameraman and armed with a camcorder and police scanner, begins nocturnal forays across the city in search of shocking and grisly crimes. When he catches the eye of a shop-worn news director who welcomes the chance to raise her station's ratings, Lewis goes to increasingly greater lengths to catch the money shot. And just to introduce the concept of stingers, or in the, as referred to in the movie as night crawlers, just for a def- quick definition, stringers are freelance photographers and videographers who sell to news networks. And that is, of course, our main character, Lou Bloom, and he's a bit of an insane stringer. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it. Of course, we can't talk about Nightcrawler without talking about the glaring fact that Lou Bloom is far from normal. <laughs> Very not normal. He's not yeah. like other girls. He's not like it's other girls. Was sentence. It's like him as a person, like not even his physical appearance, it's like he's stuck onto Earth. Yeah. yeah. Goddamn alien, bro. Yeah, yeah. he's alien. No. He looks like That's an alien half the time with yeah. his bug Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little buggy little eyes. I mean, we're introduced to him by him trying to break into an area and then justifying that he was not breaking into an area with a straight face. He looks yeah. absurd and insane. And he is insane because he's a sociopath. <laughs> and we should talk about that. Um, we're introduced to Lou Bloom um, initially through his complete and other lack of emotion. Even in the way he talks, it's emotionless. The way he acts, it's emotionless. It's as if he has an agenda and he's following that agenda day by day with all of his actions moving on, going forward and forward and forward. And it's insane to see throughout the movie how it's almost like he doesn't develop any type of emotion. Yeah, for sure. You know, I completely agree. It feels like throughout the movie that he's learning. It's like an AI, if that makes sense. It's like it's, he's training an AI where it's kind of just like he's learning what is an acceptable response or like acceptable emotions to things, but he's not actually feeling them. They're not genuine. They're not authentic. It's more so like what will make, what will, what responses will help me further my goals or what responses will make me seem the most normal, quote unquote, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like an like an algorithm like an algorithmic process that he kind of carries to where okay, he gets a no, finds it immediately somewhere else, and mm-hmm. throughout the entire story, I don't want to like kind of focus on the end. That's where things kind of heat up, like the um, the account for his actions, kind of like mostly like of similar, like mostly in the end, but throughout the entire story, 
he doesn't really care for like others at all. Yeah. It's only for a character to kind of be like morally compromising, but he's more than morally compromising. Yeah. He's morally dead. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he's more, sure. He takes that to the absolute extreme. Yeah. He's also he's also really an observer when it when it comes to that learning process of him sort of not really being human but almost more like a like you guys said like an AI yeah. or whatever he observes all the time and that's mainly how he learns is yeah. through yeah. other people yeah. not through actual experience yeah, yeah. it's yeah. almost like he doesn't have a personality trait to call his own besides what he's like <laughs> yeah. inheriting from other people exactly yeah. yeah he feels very much so like blank slate like the only thing he has is his desires is his goals but other than that he's like whatever I have to be to achieve those goals that's what I'm gonna be yeah. like shapeshifter yeah. yeah and the movie goes even further um with that wanting to um dehumanize him the movie makes and several attempts to dehumanize him both through of course how he acts and how he's presented to us as the audience into how different characters react to him every single character who meets lou bloom for the first time is like what is wrong with you <laughs> yeah. and it's like they learn to accept him in quotation marks over time when he has something that can benefit them but when talking to him especially like his um, first work partner who I feel intensely bad for man yeah. he went through it he went through it but um, yeah, his Rick first played yeah. by uh, Riz Ahmed, Riz Ahmed. Yeah. Yeah. Rick went, it went Rick went through it and Rick was one of the most relatable characters yeah, yeah. I love Rick just wanted money man yeah <laughs> and Rick is even one of the main dehumanizers of um, uh, Lou and Lou just doesn't seem to care like, of course, when asking him about the famous quote. Oh, he basically goes as follows. So when they're both in the car, there's talking about how well, Rick basically kind of confronts Rick. Rick basically confronts Lou Bloom in a way, basically like, you got to understand people. You got to be nicer to them. And that's how things will improve. And Lou Bloom, um, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, follows. It says, what if my problem wasn't that I don't understand people, but I don't like them? What if... What if I was the kind of person who was obliged to hurt you for this? I mean, basically because Rick kind of, um, in some ways, blackmailed him because he kind of set him up to, he set up the perfect crime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He separates himself from being human. He says, what if I don't like people, which immediately insinuates that he himself is either not human or a different human. So, like, how do we all feel about that and the impact of that has within the movie and narrative? I mean, you didn't have to hear him say, I don't like people, to understand that yeah. he doesn't like people and yeah. that he, like we've said, is not like the other girls. No, um, he's not like other girls. He, <laughs> yeah, he is so, you understand him immediately, but at the same time, he's so hard to understand because he truly does not care about other people. Um, and... Yeah, everything he does is just to further his career, and he'll even watch his partner die just to get his career, like, furthered. That's also the point of his character, too, is, like you said, not being able to understand him. It's because he also is not able to understand other people, and that is why he sort of operates in the way that he does is because he hates people because he doesn't understand them and he also just does not care enough to understand them yeah the, I mean, o the only basis that he sort of tries to understand is when he you know is talking to the station lady is like i want to meet these people i want to get connections or when he's like watching tv and just laughing at the wrong moments because he just doesn't really know how to interact with that sort of 
part of social life. He just doesn't understand it, but is not going to take any actions for it. Yeah, I think that, if, like what you said, he sees everyone as a means to an end, and I guess, to, like to a certain extent, because he doesn't understand people and only perceives them as a means to an end in order to like enact his own desires. He also perceives himself as a means to an end, if that makes sense. Like he, like so his actions are very much so. Like as he's like at the end of the movie, he says, "Oh, I wouldn't tell you guys to do anything that I wouldn't do myself." And it's kind of like putting himself as well, like in the line of fire, putting himself in like extremely compromising situations. And it kind of like acts as proxy because again, he doesn't see himself as human. So he puts himself in such inhuman situations, if that makes sense. And then as a result, it's kind of like, it's kind of reflective on how he perceives humanity as a whole, I guess, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, and with him as a character, he is again, a sociopath. And it's very clear that he's not our hero. He is our protagonist. We follow him throughout the story and he is our main character who we are following and who to a certain extent we're cheering for but for the middle of the movie and we see him manipulating crime scenes but he functions as our protagonist and not a hero and that's an interesting point from a writing perspective because how do we write like horrible characters like genuinely morally horrible characters who nobody should like yet have them have enough charm to function as a protagonist of a story who we actively want to watch He's not a protagonist. I mean, it's more, there can be movies that, there, it, there's a reason why the term is protagonist and then there's also the term antagonist mm -hmm. is because protagonist is obviously for good people, antagonist is for bad people. That's why you have the sort of term used a lot. But you can also just have movies that follow people. You don't have to have movies that follow good people or even bad people. Yeah, a lot of crime dramas do that. Like Heat, uh, is a, a starring Robert De Niro and... Um, <laughs> Al Pacino, like even like certain, the entirety of like some of the best crime dramas in terms of like movies and TV shows, like The Sopranos and The Wire is a perfect example of that. You take Jane, you take um, Tony Soprano, starred by James Gandolfini, he's a terrible person. He cheats on his wife, he's racist <laughs> as hell. <laughs> And he uh, and he's a basically a mob boss, and throughout the entirety of that, like he's he doesn't change as a person. He's not trying to be better. He just does what he does. Lou Bloom is a, a very special character to like to me because he's like if you took like the kind of standard American culture of working hard to get what you mm -hmm. want and kind of twisted it in a way to where like it flips on his head, not to kind of be a contrarian to that, but to kind of just like see how far a person can really go if they really only care about getting money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is a great place um, where I wanted to separate protagonist and antagonist from terms like hero and villain because Logan you did bring up a great point where you think he isn't a protagonist but um, I would argue that he is. A protagonist is simply the leading character or characters within a form of media or drama. Your protagonist can be a piece of shit. Your protagonist can be horrible. For lack of a better comparison, Patrick Bateman <laughs> is indeed your protagonist, but I wouldn't call him a hero. Right. A hero has a connotation. That means that a hero is indeed your good guy. A villain is your bad guy. A villain can be a protagonist, and if your villain is a protagonist, that means your hero is your antagonist, because the antagonist is simply a character who is an active working force against your protagonist. Mm -hmm. So a main character um, will 
will always be a protagonist, right? But a main character can also be an um, antagonist. A main character will always fall between one of these two terms. However, your protagonist will not always be a hero. Your antagonist will not always be a villain. So if your main character is a villain, then your villain is your protagonist. If your main character is a hero, then your hero is, of course, your protagonist. But in the case of Lou Bloom, who doesn't fall between hero or villain, he just kind of messed up in the head. Morally great. Yeah, he's a morally great. Morally great. He is our morally great protagonist, which, oh my god, Everybody loves that, right? That's my favorite type of character. <laughs> I don't know if he'd be morally gray. I think he's just morally Yeah. Gray. yeah. He's just, not, he's just morally, morally just not there. Yeah. <laughs> I think the kind of discussion of him being morally gray, like, obviously he's not, like, if this person was put on trial, he'd go to jail for a very, very long time. <laughs> time. <laughs> I, I think the thing about it, though, like, we noticed throughout the entire thing, though, that he doesn't indulge, he doesn't indulge in what he does, only mostly of his career. Like, when he end up setting Rick up to get killed because Rick kind of blackmailed him. He kind of says the words like as follows. I can't jump I can't jump my company's success to retain an untrustworthy employee. Like he got him shot. Like yeah. what? Yeah. Who does like what kind of person? I can't trust yeah. you. Die. Die. <laughs> like he took my bargaining power, Rick, use it against me, you would have done it again. Just admit it. That's a horrible mindset to have yeah. somebody who's yeah. been working for for the greater half of a year. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. he started with Rick. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A lot of the, he started with Rick, so it's crazy. It's, it's a lot like, of the cases with sociopaths where it's like he he did that. In my opinion, I think Lou is an incredibly smart person because he has all of this planned. And while it's sometimes corny in the way that, for instance, in the beginning when he was like, "I'm working hard and whatever," like that's everybody does that in a job interview, and it was just really corny to see him just do it out in the open and, yeah. and whatever but he's also smart because he, he like knows how to get what he wants and he takes advantage of something ethically nobody else would right. do which is manipulation and blackmail and yeah. if you're an actual good person or morally correct ethically you're not going to do that ever yeah. but the people that aren't take advantage of that and most even in the real world, that's how most people actually succeed is by being ethically wrong. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that Lou doesn't think he's in the wrong when he's doing these things. Like when you think of like, like people doing like these like manipulating, like you would still think like in the back of their mind, like, oh, like subconsciously they know what they're doing is wrong. But I think what's really interesting is that Lou he thinks that he really like has this like like core values to heart, like like any means necessary. And if it's for my goal, then it's for a good purpose, it's for a good cause, and I'm doing the right thing mm -hmm. because I'm moving towards my desires, which I just think is like really interesting and like ties into like not understanding humans and not understanding yeah. social norms as well. Like it really like plays it all. Right, and when, like just kind of going back to when Rick gets shot, like it's tragic and stuff, but I was not surprised at all when it happened. Like everything that Lou does just led to me to believe like, oh, that dude is still alive and he's gonna shoot Rick. And yeah, he did because um, it was just a means of furthering getting better shots. It's it's horrific, but that's just his character and it's not surprising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's perfectly leading into the fact that the irony of despite his job being to capture crime and capture the world from a multitude of different angles that you may never see, he always captures from one 
one angle, and that's what he wants. As talking about um, when Rick gets shot, he stands in the perfect position to record Rick getting shot, and he does that on purpose. Right. He hides away, not from the shooter themselves, but in a way where he can perfectly capture what's going to happen. He himself is at risk of being shot, but he doesn't care about that because all he cares about is, of course, Segway getting the perfect shot. The uh, majority of this movie is based around Lou Bloom and wanting to require his money shot, acquire the perfect shot and um, keeping and getting that perfect shot and perfect shot. And his dedication to his craft, while commendable, starts to falter in the middle of the movie to us as the audience because he goes through the disaster of passion. He's so passionate about what he does that he's willing to destroy his passion in order to achieve it. He wants to get the perfect shot, but is it truly the perfect shot if he is the one who is manipulating it? Right. Mm. Um, I think it still is. I, I, I think agree. he has his perfect shot, honestly, because he, though indirectly he led to like the death of like several police officers and like a few gang members, he had it, because especially after that kind of time, when he goes to Nina, also branching out further, I don't want to like kind of digress from his point, but Lou Bloom exists in, in in the world that he is. He's allowed to succeed because people that are more like relative, almost to where he is, not necessarily like, completely bad people, exist. Like Nina, he may have like coerced Nina to kind of like get with him in the first place. And he's kind just of, as bad as him, except obviously not killing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's I remember, yeah, like it's just there's so much like layers to it. Like say for example, when Lou Bloom is out of time before his, like his big anger scene towards the mirror, he loses the he loses his quote unquote really good shot because he wasn't there fast enough. But how Nina kind of speaks to like, oh, I don't want a stabbing in Corona because it's in a poor area. That speaks so much about how like the just the vile like landscape that LA kind of has. Like we allow Lou Bloom. We're not we. I'm not in LA. We're not in LA. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in LA. <laughs> like, I want to point out that um, I don't care about Corona. Aged like fine wine. <laughs> fine freaking wine. Yeah, I was like, it's he's he's allowed to exist and he excels for a certain reason. Not only because his tenacity as a character, him being persistent and him being cutthroat, but it, like the world that he lives in, it allows that. It lets him thrive. Like he, I don't remember the exact amount of money, but he went back and forth with Nina arguing, and he, and she got a lot out of it. That was his 000. perfect shot. Fifty thousand. Yeah. He got fifteen thousand yeah. with connections. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot that's of money. A lot of money. A lot. That's, 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 that's crazy. I like what band you, for band. Bro. I like what you brought up with Nina though, because it's like. While also focusing on Lou because of how bad of a person he is, uh, Nina represents the side of what TV news sort of is like. Like, it's terrible that she's bringing up the fact that, like, you know, like you said, stabbings in in Corona because uh, it's poor neighborhoods. We don't want that. That actually typically is how news stations think because it's all about ratings to them and it's not really about actually telling the proper news and it also correlates into what Lou does as a profession as well just because for instance if I was somebody seeing that shot of the couple getting interviewed through a house with bullet holes I'd be thinking why is the cameraman in there like this looks totally weird and odd but Nina sees it as a perfect opportunity to make money that was a great shot though that was an amazing shot that was a good shot yeah, we might have to be a little worried about that. Like, right, <laughs> you know, like, well, I know talent, I see talent, I call out talent. <laughs> talent is crazy. Um, going back to what Marcus said that it was Lou's perfect shot, I agree with that 100% because we're all VMA majors. Unfortunately. Uh, better for worse. Shocker, right? I'm creative writing, but I'm switching. <laughs> yeah, we all love film. And for us, 
For us? For us. Um, that is not the perfect shot. It lacks authenticity. It's not real. Um, just like when he saw the car crash and he moved the body, that is not what really happened. So we would not call that a perfect shot. However, Lou was not a film major. He, before he became a cameraman, he was like stealing fences and selling them back to people. He was a thief. Yeah, he was just straight up a thief. Um, so for him, that is his perfect shot because that's what the people want to see. That's what Nina wants to see. That's what they want to put on the news. And just because it's not what really happened, that doesn't matter because it gets him more money. And that's all he's after is the money and the, the status. And that brings yeah. up a perfect point about um, Nina and the general question of this film. Because as we see at the start, it's established that despite the fact that Lou is a sociopath, he still adheres to the rules and laws of um, laws as in quotations <laughs> to how he functions and works. When somebody tells him that, hey, you can't work for me or you're doing something wrong, he strives to fix it so he can do better on the next job, which brings into account the question that Lou at the end of the film, would he really be that person if it was not for Nina's influence? She was his enabler. She was the person who kept buying from him and buying from him and wanting more and more and more gruesome things. And when he stepped over the theoretical line, she didn't stop him. She kept buying from him. She kept buying from him. And she um, faltered to what he eventually wanted. And while Lou, at the end of the film, may now hold this dynamic power over her, um, throughout the majority of the film, she was the one who held this dynamic power over Lou and what he could be. And she just kept enabling him by feeding him bits of this power and bits of this power and bits of this power. So how much of Lou's situation is actually Lou's fault? And is he to blame or is Nina I, to truly blame? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I I think it's actually perfect that we bring up the fact that we're comparing him to either AI or a machine because the whole point of AI is whatever you feed them, they will learn. Yep. And yeah. then they will take that and they'll expand upon it too. So without Nina, I think he could have been great at literally anything else he did. Yeah. Say he went into construction and the construction worker, worker started telling him about all the different things that he could do to be better. He would start expanding upon those things and being the best construction worker that he could. But it's because that it's Nina and it's because of what she's telling him, being like, you need to get bloodier shots, more gruesome attacks, everything like that. It expands Lou to the point where he is now shaping different crimes to fit that description of what Nina wants because he thinks that's what's good. I just, I, I, I just going back to like the, remember the sequence for the mansion? Mm -hmm. Nina shaped it into a different way because at the end it was revealed that, oh, it wasn't like a, like a suburban home being attacked randomly and ties to like drugs. The, drugs. Yeah. And he's like, and Nina's like, hey, shh. Yep. Yeah. Silence. Silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's a part. I, I completely forgot about that sequence. Well, because I was only thinking about the sequence of where him leading up to like them, him like not saying anything about like the gang members that fled the scene. I was just like, to walk into an active crime scene is crazy. Yeah. yeah. With the perpetrator still inside, yeah. I don't, like, it's, it's that's bold. Like, Lou does not care. It's care. also a part of why he's a sociopath. He has no sense of self preservation. Mm -hmm. It is, again, all about his work mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. 
even if it comes at the cost of his own life. And again, Nina enables that over and over and over again. Not once do we ever see Nina question how he gets those shots. Right. We yeah. never see her ask questions about like, hey, what were you doing? You know? You see her yeah. peers yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Her yeah. peers are yeah. asking. And then, like, she, okay, and can then, we then run she this? silences her peers right. as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we run this? Is this okay? Oh, you got to like bleep out the faces and everything. Yeah. That sequence. And they were... Although, like, the news publication was struggling, which also leads to, like, um, Lou being able to take advantage of that and to, like, to be more, like, grossly intimate with Nina, which is, like, another whole, whole, That's a whole other, other thing. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> it's, like, it still, like, kind of, like, works at the end of the day for in her favor. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the place that she works at is doing substantially better because to get a first clip is, like, so important. Like, if you get a really good, like, a good-ass clip, like, that shit will, like... That will, like, yeah. put you forward. Yeah. And I feel like in terms of, like, being a perfect shot, I feel like, to some extent, you can argue it's more so a perfect shot for Nina, more so than it is for Lou. Because, again, as you guys were saying, it's a, it's like an AI, as I said, like, much earlier, like, the first thing I said, actually, where you're constantly training and, like, feeding and telling you, telling the AI what it wants. And Nina's constantly telling Lou, oh, get more get more gruesome shots, get more bloody shots, et cetera, et cetera. And then, initially... Lou wasn't Lou only got like a framework for how he should be recording based off of what he's seen and based off of what he was told to see and what he was told to record. It was mainly Nina who was like pushing this narrative of what he should obtain and like the lengths that he should go to get it. So I think it's more so an issue of Nina. Nina being very unethical and like having the RNG for Lou um uh to go to again any means necessary in order to like get that affirmation to meet that goal to etc cetera, etc cetera. so i just think it was was interesting it was interesting i think yeah. it's also for nina i i think that whole, the whole point was very interesting too and i think also like as we describe him as a sort of ai or a machine there's probably one human part in him and that is the adrenaline that he gets from actually doing this too yeah. Yeah. because there's an adrenaline an adrenaline rush with actually getting the shot getting it perfect because there's that like feeling of oh crap I'm gonna get so much money from this so it like really amps you up and I think that also was one of the main factors that drove him to do what he did it was because not only was he thinking about what shots need to be good but it was that adrenaline pumping through him being like oh you should really be doing this and this is how you should do it yeah and it's just it all leads to the end of the film where at the end we see Lou get off scot-free his crimes never catch up to him and he goes on not even truly thinking that they were crimes again a disaster of passion to him this is all in pursuit of his perfect shot and at the end we see him with two vans just like foreshadowed earlier in the movie where he he gave up a position working the second van and now here he is owning these two vans with all of his um subordinates now and of course I would never tell you to do something that I wouldn't do myself and man do we know that's real <laughs> yes, that's, he's that's not, that was not back. a lie that was a, yeah. that was a great call he, that was yeah. not a single yeah. lie he told yeah. him that, in that line in that yeah. movie and that's an important theme throughout the movie to Lou during this entire movie he never told a single lie yeah. to himself he never ever told one lie he meant everything that he said and everything Standing that he on said business. Yep. <laughs> on everything business. that he said was just to reach his goal and he done reached it and Lord knows that he's gonna go beyond that if we ever see him again which personally if I ever see Lou Bloom at my funeral god damn, damn. I, hope, I hope I make some money though <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you're having a horrible day anyways 
Thank you for joining us on, on Top of the World. That's been our episode about Lou Bloom. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I've been your host, Samuel Rico, joined by our co-hosts, Robbie Waters. And Sakai Marquez. And, of course, by our two wonderful guest hosts, Logan Janender and Marcus Joseph. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys all next episode. <laughs>